This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Stuart Beal. Stuart is the president of Beal Capital, who brings uh, extensive management, marketing, and leadership abilities to all Beal Capital projects. Stuart has been actively involved in real estate, construction, acquisition, development, and management since 1997. When he was 19 years old, Stuart founded Beal Properties LLC and has since founded more than 20 other companies in the real estate and construction industries. Stuart is a founding member of Watermark Partners, which has managed a set of real estate funds that have raised and deployed over $100 million in equity, closed more than 250 real estate transactions, and acquired more than 6,000 apartments over the past five years. Welcome, Stuart. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? Uh, well, uh, right now we manage 3,000 apartments, single family homes and office spaces in 65 cities around Metro Detroit and Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, we have offices in Grand Rapids, Lansing, Toledo, uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, Newport, Michigan, and Detroit, Michigan. And those are intentionally located so we can manage properties that we own, uh, that we buy on behalf of our investors. And we also uh, do third-party property management. So if you buy a property anywhere in the state of Michigan, whether it's a single-family home, whether it's a 250-unit apartment complex, we would be glad to manage it for you as a, a third-party property management company. Nice. And then uh, rewind back to 1997. How did you get started in real estate investing back then? Yeah. Okay, great. So my business career started back in 1997. That was actually when I was uh, 16 years old. I grew up in a bit of an entrepreneurial family and my dad uh, ran a contracting business and he subscribed to a lot of business magazines. And when those got old, you know, they kicked around the office for a couple months, but when they got old, he would bring them home and I would devour uh, every page. So throughout my middle school and high school year, years, I read, you know, every single business article in all of the main business magazines for, you know, five, six years running. And this was before uh, crypto. This was before the internet. And so the people that were becoming wealthy uh, uh, back then, you know, the people that were on the Forbes 400 uh, were either building uh, great companies or uh, investing in real estate. And so I wanted to do both. You know, I, I wanted to build a, a, a great company in real estate. And so uh, I actually started a lawn care and landscaping company. A lot of people do that, of course, but mine got pretty serious. And by the time I was 19, I actually sold that business for $250,000. And then I used the proceeds of that sale to invest in real estate. And when I was, uh, 19 in 2002, approximately, I bought a five unit rental house on Eastern Michigan University's campus in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And the reason I chose that property is there were four apartments that were occupied and there were one that was vacant and I needed a place to live. And I had read about house hacking and I didn't really want to live in a, um, a single family house with a bunch of people. So I kind of did like a glorified house hack where I lived in one of the five units and uh, rented out the other four. And that's how I got started. Great way to start and way earlier than me, uh, certainly. So that's, uh, if only I had uh, thought about real estate when I was 19, uh, yeah, certainly. So that's great that you got an early start. And then uh, for your deals right now, are you typically looking at buying turnkey or value add or distressed properties? What's kind of your angle? 
Yeah. Okay, great. So uh, I'd like to buy turnkey properties, um, but in this environment, that's very, very challenging. Uh, so right now what we do is we do uh, uh, two things. We do small properties, triplex and up with non-accredited investors where we put two or three investors in a small deal. We buy those mostly in Ypsilanti, Michigan. It's a student rental market near Eastern Michigan University, University of Michigan. And we manage uh, over 250 properties in that city just by itself. So what we do is we, you know, we buy the neighboring property when it comes for sale and we bring a few investors in, new investors. Those properties are, uh, they're historic properties. They usually have significant maintenance problems. Uh, you know, these folks are selling for a reason. Uh, maybe the city's coming in and cracking down on them about the deferred maintenance. Um, and so those properties are relatively easy to buy. In our real estate syndications, where we go out and raise serious money and try to buy larger properties, uh, we want to buy nicer properties. But over the last nine months, that's been the most difficult it has been in the last 20 years. And so we found, uh, again, we're buying properties that people need to sell. They're pretty big projects. They're pretty distressed. Um, but I do like forced appreciation, value add, uh, secondary, tertiary you know, class C, class B markets. So, you know, we don't mind doing that. But yeah, of course, I'd love to buy a class A property with a pool at a great price. It's just not happening in uh, 2023 with an 8% uh, interest rate or 7% interest rate. Yeah, well, maybe some of these operators will have a lot of pressure put on them with their loans when they're trying to refi into what they thought was going to be 3% here, but it's now it's 8% or, or thereabouts. Uh, and then they'll be more willing to come down on the price a bit. But uh, regardless, in the meantime, when you're looking at value-add properties where you think you can force some appreciation into it, what are the opportunities that you typically try to see that, um, you know, that makes you think like, hey, this is a good property to invest in? Yeah. Okay, great. So one of the reasons we run our property management company is that often gives us first access to properties people want to sell. So people call our property management company with wild scenarios and stories and say, I own this real estate and I've, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem. How do we fix that? And so a good example is in uh, 2020, a man called me and said, my family owns 37 apartments in Dundee, Michigan, we are losing money, even though we have no debt. So, you know, remember, your biggest expense usually is your debt. So if you're losing money without debt, you've got some real, uh, you know, funky situations going on. So I dug deep and found out that, you know, the, the patriarch and the matriarch had passed away. The family gets this 37-unit apartment complex. They assign it to the sister-in-law. The sister-in-law is out here renting apartments for uh, low prices, not doing very good maintenance, friends and family deals, you know, giving discounts for the janitorial. And then, of course, they don't do it. You know, all sorts of weird, funky stuff. So he said, can you come in and professionalize this a little bit? So when, when we got into it, we realized that uh, there was some real uh, possibility of rapidly increasing the value of this property by rapidly increasing the rents. The market rent in the area is about 900 a month for a one bedroom, 1100 a month for a two bedroom. And, you know, they were renting these things for four or $500 a month. Now, when I take over a property, I don't come in and kick everyone out. I, that's not my business model. I don't feel good about doing that. Um, I, I think that, uh, can sometimes be a little unethical. What I like to do is I like to do modest rent increases on the existing tenants, 
most of the tenants accept them. So you don't like, you don't scare everybody out. You still got a pretty well occupied building, but out of the 37, like six or seven said, no, if you're going to raise my rent, I'm not even using that apartment. You can have it back. Or, you know, I'm moving in with my uh, uh, significant other, you know, that type of thing. So we got six or seven apartments back right away that we're renting for about four or 500 a month. And we go in and put two, $3,000 into them and put them back on the market for $900 a month. Um, and, and that increased the rent roll by about 20% overall, just on six apartments. And when you increase the rent roll by 20%, and your costs stay the same or similar on a month-to-month going forward basis, you know, you capitalize the uh, major capital expenditures, and then on a month-to-month basis, your costs go same. You know, you're you're basically increasing the value of the building by the same percentage uh, a lot of times. I mean, of course, you can do the math a couple different ways. But um, that's just on the first six apartments. And then you manage this thing over the next couple of years, and you keep doing modest rent increases on the existing tenants to get them closer to market rent over time. Uh, and um, and then also when people move out naturally, you renovate them and bring them to market rent. So that property we took over, uh, we ended up buying the property from the, the guy who asked us to manage it. We got it about halfway fixed when he said he wanted to sell. So we bought it for 1.3 million. And then two years later, it appraised for 2.7 million just because we are, we're increasing the rent over time while keeping expenses the same. And that's what I call uh, forced appreciation. That's what I call value add. If we hadn't have done anything, the property would have appreciated a little bit per year. But we go in and do a bunch of work. We force the appreciation, and that increases the value of the property exponentially. And uh, we invested, to buy that property, we invested about 300000 and had about a million-dollar loan. And so then we increased the value by 1.4 million. So we took the 300,000 in equity and turned that into 1.4 million in equity in about just in a, just about two years. Meanwhile, the property is cash flowing pretty well. Uh, so that's like a what I call a, a grand slam. If they were all that good, you know, I wouldn't be raising money from investors and doing what I'm doing, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that, that's a good example of the best thing that we're we're trying to do um, is is that is that type of story. And that that story can be done on any size property. So that's a 37 unit. I use that as an example because it's a recent example. But I've done that on a, a 250 unit. I've done it on a 468 unit. I've done it on a single family home. Uh, you you go in, you modestly increase the rents on the existing residents so that you have residents. You don't want to just take them from 500 to 900 in the span of a day and then have the property 25% full, modestly increase rents to, to market rent. And then when people naturally move out, uh, you renovate them and uh, turn them uh, turn them into to market rent. And people are very glad to pay market rent for a apartment that has new vinyl flooring, sharp paint, uh, either new cabinets or refurbished cabinets, new appliances, either bright white, black, or stainless steel front. Uh, hopefully you can add some additional things like put in a garbage disposal if there wasn't one, put in a dishwasher if there wasn't one. You also want to improve the laundry situation. So if you can, do in-unit laundry. If not, do uh, coin laundry on a key card so that you don't have to mess with coins. Um, 
a coin box doesn't always jam. Like you want to improve other things about the property so that people are very glad to pay uh, the market rent. And we've been successful um, over the last 20 years doing that on a couple hundred uh, real estate projects. Yeah, fantastic. And I know you mentioned with the larger stuff, you're doing real estate syndications, but with these smaller like triplexes and, and whatnot, you said you're bringing in non-accredited investors. Is that also a syndication structure for that smaller stuff? Yeah. Okay, great. So um, I do it the way I've always done it. Before I did syndications, what I would do is I would get into contract to buy a property. Let's call it 111 Main Street, form an LLC called 111 Main Street, write a eight page simple operating agreement where each investor is a partner in the deal. So I'm a partner, you're a partner, the third guy's a partner. Let's say we need 100,000 cash and the purchase price is 400,000, it's a $300,000 loan. We get four people to each invest 25,000. So we're each 25% partners in the deal and uh, we go and buy the property. The next question is who's gonna manage the property? Is any of the four of us going to manage it? That's a question for you. If you're putting this together, if you're listening to this call and you're putting it together, you need to answer the management question. Well, in our situation, the management question is answered. We own the management company. So we hire our management company and, and manage the property uh, going forward. And the idea, the reason I do this uh, is in this stage of my career is I talk to so many not accredited investors, people that want to start out investing in real estate and hopefully we're going to turn these people into accredited investors and develop a long-term 20-year relationship with them where they may invest in a project today as a non-accredited investor three years from now, four years from now, and now they're investing larger sums into our bigger projects. That's the that, idea. That makes sense. So is this uh, joint ventures essentially with the smaller stuff? Yeah, you can definitely call it a joint venture. Um, it, it, that is what it is, yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because with a joint venture, of course, everybody has to be active in some way, shape or form. But within a, a syndication itself, uh, you know, it works a little different. As you know, it's guided by the SEC. So then now you can have people that are just truly passive investing into those. And do you do both 506B and 506C offerings with the syndications? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have done them both ways. Um, and uh, I have done uh, syndications where you can have up to 27 non-accredited investors as well, like a smaller syndication. Um, and so it just depends on what type of marketing that you want to do, uh, for which, which direction you're going to you take it. But, uh, you know, one of the main questions I get when I'm talking to real estate investors is how to do a real estate syndication. And what I say is, uh, I can tell you in broad strokes and you can read my documents but really, the person to answer that question is your SEC attorney. That's the most important thing to get right in your uh, journey. And so um, if anyone on this call wants to be introduced to a great SEC attorney, I can introduce them to a couple different ones that I've used. Just shoot me an email. Um, and uh, that's the guy who's really going to answer the question uh, for you um, and produce some really, really good and, and tight documents uh, for you now. They're going to be expensive. So you need to be doing a, a, a project or a syndication of a certain size so that your attorney's fees aren't weighing down the overall cost of managing the fund. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. You, you don't want to do a syndication and raise $100,000, for example. Your attorney's fees are going to eat up a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, generally, it, I, I've heard it sort of a rule of thumb that if the property is worth at least a million dollars, then it, that kind of makes it 
close to where the point is, it's worthwhile to do a syndication potentially, depending on the deal, but uh, certainly bigger than that, then it's more worthwhile. And um, so with your syndications, uh, you know, obviously you, you're having this smaller stuff where you're helping people to get a track record and to get their feet wet and potentially become, um, you know, credited later down the road. And then, um, so what, what's when somebody's ready to start actually investing with a syndication with you, what's generally the process that you have them go through? Yeah, so we're uh, raising $10 million right now to invest in uh, Class C and Class B mid-size apartment buildings in the state of Michigan. And basically, our criteria is within a one-hour drive, maybe an hour, 15-minute drive, of our headquarters in Ypsilanti, Michigan. So that takes us to Detroit, east of Detroit, north of Detroit, west out to Lansing, uh, you know, down, down south to the Ohio border. So we've got, you know, a hundred cities in which we could purchase apartment buildings. Um, we uh, like to purchase them near uh, where we already own and manage properties. So that's really what we're advertising to investors. Uh, so the, the process starts is we uh, are raising in $25,000 increments. So if you're looking to invest $25,000 or more, $50,000, $75,000, uh, please go to our website, BealCapital.com. You can make an offer by clicking the Invest Now button. That'll give you access to the documents. The documents are very lengthy uh, because of what we're doing uh, as a real estate syndication. So, you know, dig into those documents, ask a bunch of questions, and um, and then we uh, accept the investment. If we have a deal under contract that's closing imminently, we'll accept 100% of the investment you're committing so that we can use that to put the money to work on the new acquisition. If we do not have anything under contract and are not closing imminently, we take a 10% deposit to lock you in, reserve your spot in line, and then we'll capital call the rest of the money in uh, once we need it, a couple of weeks before we need it. Um, and then we update quarterly. So you'll get a quarterly update. Uh, you know, it's pretty basic update. Here's what we own. Uh, here's what we're doing. And then a yearly update, a more robust yearly update with the K-1, the tax return. Uh, and um what we choose, what we try to do is a 7% preferred return. We've done that every quarter in the row since the inception of all of our funds uh, that we've done at Beal Capital. And uh, at the end of the year, then we try to do any extra return that we can. And so the last couple of years, we've achieved a 10% cash on cash return. And when I say 10% cash on cash return, all the listeners should know that's only one benefit of real estate. I'm sure many of the people know the other ones, but I'll just repeat them. Um, so you're looking for a cash on cash return. You're looking for appreciation. You're looking for depreciation, which we use cost seg reports to boost that into the first year. And then um, you're benefiting from the fact that your residents are paying down your loan. And then, of course, over time, you can do cash out refinances. You can sell properties, 1031s. Um, it all, you know, gets better and better over time. Awesome. And um, how can a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are a good match for what they're looking for? Yeah. Okay, great. So uh, first of all, uh, if you're looking to invest in the Sunbelt, Texas, California, that's not what we're offering. We are hyper local because we're uh, tied to the property management company. We're not gonna invest in Texas and go find a property management company out there and then try to manage the property management company. That's just not our business model. So the first thing is uh, Southeast Michigan. 
Southeast Michigan has its pros and cons. Please consider them. I can certainly tell you about them. Um, and we can and talk about them at uh, uh, length. Um, so that's the first thing. Do you want to invest in where we're investing? Uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, please uh, reach out to me so we can discuss our track record. Uh, we have uh, 600 transactions that we've done uh, in, in my career. Uh, and then we have uh, a very strong team at both the property management company and the Beale Capital where we're doing the syndications in terms of length of employment. So, for instance, like our longest employee at, at the property management company, he's been working with us for 19 years. And then we got 15 years and 12 years and 10 years. So it's like a solid long term group. Um, you know, a lot of the real estate syndicators that reach out to me, uh, they you know, I just met my partner three months ago and now we're doing a real estate syndication. We haven't figured out who's going to be the property manager, you know? So, you know, those are, that's not us. We're, we're kind of the opposite of uh, that. And then we do have a bit of a track record on the funds itself. So Beal Capital started in 2020 uh, after you mentioned in the bio that you read originally, after I did five real estate syndications with Watermark, Beal Capital started in 2020 and we've returned our preferred return every quarter since inception. So we've got uh, that track record, track record to, to lean on as well. Uh, one thing that we do not uh, have to provide you is uh, exits. So Beal Capital is an organization. Again, we formed in 2020. We have sold two properties and we 1031 those into other properties within the fund, but we haven't sold all of our properties and liquidated a fund and then posted the results uh, to our investors. We're, we're not there yet. So um, you know, we can show you our cash on cash return, but we can't say, okay, we started this fund in 2020, we closed it in 2025, and we posted a three-time equity multiple and a you know 40% IRR. We're not there yet. So we're we'll get there eventually. Um and uh yeah, so that's what that's what we're doing. Fantastic. And then tell me about a problem that you've encountered with one of your real estate investments and how was it handled? Okay, great. Yeah, so that's all we do is problems, right? <laughs> uh the passive investors out there, the people that are listening to this passive investment uh, call. And so you're not going to uh, uh, have to deal with the problems that uh, we're, we're describing. But, you know, the problems are infinite. I mean, it's all problems. That's what it is. That's what property management is. But like in the past 24 hours, okay. Uh, so uh, last night at 11 p.m., a car rammed into one of our buildings and punctured a hole right in the side of it. So the cars in the basement, half in the basement, half on the sidewalk. Um, and, you know, the insurance deductible is, uh, I think, 25,000 on the building. So the the damage to the building is going to be maybe 13, 15,000. And we're gonna have to eat 100% of it because uh, the deductible is 25,000. And of course, uh, I read the police report this morning, the guy gets out of his car and flees. You know, he didn't have a driver's license and is driving a car that's not his. So mm. are we able to, to rely on his insurance? Um, no. So what are we going to do? We're going to get quotes to uh, repair, uh, restore the building. That's going to be a carpentry quote. It's going to be a masonry restoration quote. We're going to repair the building and and we're going to we're going to move on. That That's what happened in the past 24 hours. And then earlier this week uh, at a property we own in Beale Fund One, we had a murder-suicide. We, we had a resident who had a mental uh, breakdown and killed his significant other and then committed suicide in the apartment. Um, and so what are we going to do there? Um, 
the the police and the paramedics have removed uh, the individuals, and uh, we're going to post a notice on the door asking any family that knows these folks to call so they can take any possessions they want. And once that's done, we're going to turn the apartment, renovate it. We're going to put it back on for market rent. And our passive investors, uh, since you know there aren't significant losses associated with these things, um, we're just going to notify them in a footnote at best, uh, so that they again um, can be passive investors. That's what they that's what they they want. They don't want to have to, you know, hey, after work, can you come, you know, deal with this type of thing like you would if you were trying to do the real estate by yourself. Yeah, exactly. For our listeners out there, if you don't want to have to deal with uh, things like murder suicides or cars running through your buildings uh, yourself, then uh, you know being passive is a great approach to that than have somebody else who's skilled and, and willing to deal with that. So, all right. So the last part of the podcast here is where I ask you some rapid fire questions with the speed round. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? So I'm a passive real estate investor as well, and I invest in uh, some of my partner's uh, real estate syndications down in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. And the best part is I'm working my butt off on the ones I run, and then each quarter I get a check in the mail from him. Nice. And what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Yeah, so passive real estate investment is not for every investor, and you need to screen your investors, potential investors, uh, so that you are uh, taking on investors that um, are going to uh, uh, be aligned with what you're doing. You know, we're doing distressed value add. There are a lot of challenges. I do not want my investors giving me a hard time on a day-to-day -day basis about the ups and downs of what we're doing. You know, look, look at our track record over time and let's talk about that. What's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I like the basic ones, you know, how to buy apartment buildings, you know, how to raise money and do a real estate syndication. I like the bigger pockets books. Um, but my most favorite book I've read recently is Snowball. It's an autobiography of Warren Buffett. Um, that, that, that brings a lot of uh, entrepreneurial wisdom to the table. Thanks. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Yeah, okay, great. So our property management website is gobeal.com. Our real estate syndication website is bealcapital.com. My email address is sbeal, S-B-E-A-L, at gobeal, G-O-B-E-A-L.com. And then you can find me, Stuart Beal, on Facebook and Stuart Beal on LinkedIn. I post a couple different times a day about real estate. Great. I'll include those links in the show notes. And then finally, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, you know, my parting words is you have to invest in real estate. Uh, you must do it. It is the greatest tool for wealth creation that um, is out there. Um, you know, you can start a business and you can work 15 hours a day and then pay a third of your taxes uh, the pay a third of your income to taxes. If you want, that's fine. Uh, I've done that many times in my career, but you have to take some of the proceeds of that and invest in real estate. You, you just have to do it because the, the tax, the tax benefits of investing in real estate are so powerful. And then the, the, the most rewarding part of real estate is uh, time, 
heals all wounds, okay? You can buy an apartment complex, do great, run it into the ground, turn it around and run it great for the next many years, you know, and you'll never even think about that time where you ran it into the ground or made a mistake or had a murder suicide or had a car run into a building. You know, those are not things that you're going to be thinking about five years later. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the tremendous value that you've offered to our listeners today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.